Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall. I'm with my guys Mike and Robbie, and we're already laughing hysterically, so this is going to be a good episode. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Yo, man, I'm doing good. Um, I'm just saying I'm, I'm super excited. Having to do with shoes, uh, we just heard that the legit Justice League movie is going to come out next year on HBO Max, so I'm happy. It took as many tries as we have hosts to get that entry. So. <laughs> Shazam. I'm feeling pretty good, too. It was nice to get the rest of the Last Dance uh, Championship Era Bulls stuff posted up on the site. So if you haven't checked it out, definitely go do that. But we got some cool, cool topics to talk about. I think there's actually surprisingly a lot of newsworthy things going on in sneakers right now, even though... We're all kind of staying at home still, but, um, and then obviously we got, we haven't talked about the last dance. So I think that's going to be fun to, uh, get into our thoughts on that. But before we do that business as usual, want to read a review from iTunes. If you've left us a review, we appreciate you. If you haven't, we appreciate you too, but give us a minute of your time, head over to iTunes and drop us a review. Today's review comes from ad rock 1988. Knowledge is power. Nick, Mike, and Robbie each bring a unique perspective and insight to the show, covering the marketplace, upcoming releases, and the overall community are just a few of the topics each episode. While partial to their favorites, the podcast is unbiased by brand or company influence. They love The love they have for sneakers is obvious, and it's the reason why I listen every week. Robbie's sense of humor helps, too. At Overhyped Kicks. So give at Overhyped Kicks a follow on Instagram. Shout out to you for dropping us a review. Shout out to Robbie for bringing some humor since uh, <laughs> Mike and I must be like, like people must think Mike and I are just boring because we get so many reviews where it's like, eh, Robbie's funny too. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, Robbie's just extra funny. No, we're funny, but he's so funny that it takes him over the top. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. I'm, I'm taking my talent to South Beach. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe next year though. Not, don't do it to this year. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, I, I'm nothing without you two. So thank you for that very nice review, Overhyped Kicks. Yes, yes, most definitely. Um, so hopping into the news real quick, speaking of nothing without anyone else's help, like what's up with these dunks all selling out? What's up with everything selling out right now? The Brazil dunks sell out instantly. Reselling for like two or three hundred dollars in my size. I saw I saw bids over three hundred in my size. I don't Man, get it. Nonsense. <laughs> the complete nonsense. It's I laugh because I didn't really want them. I know both you and I, Nick, were trying to help Robbie get a pair. I was trying to help another buddy get a pair as well. Like they released on every website I saw, it was the release time and then sold out immediately. I mean, I know we can't stop bots, but then we gotta come up with something better because I mean, I can't really say, oh, it's not fair, but, oh, come on, it's really not fair. So what's funny is that, yeah, I had all, I had like six people trying to get it for me. And what ends up happening now is I'm willing to bet two out of 10 people are going to try to wear that shoe. And it's just, Mike, you said many websites do offer the product, but you have to be so focused in what you're doing. I mean, mean, like I'm pretty damn good at multitasking, but no lie. If I have my laptop 
and my cell phone. I'm trying to do sneakers on my cell and like, you know, be on like Blackstone and Hammer on my, uh, I don't know if they released there. It's the first shop that came to mind. Um, if I'm like there on the, on the computer, like I'm still going back and forth a little bit and I'm going to miss both because I'm running slow trying to split my attention. So it's always just like, you know, I kind of dig my heels into one website and it's like, well, I'm not going to have time. By the time I refresh the other one, it's 702, which is comical to say that, and they're gone. So it sucks. Well, it's crazy. So the link I sent you for uh, premium goods down here in Houston, uh, my buddy also was looking for them as well. So I'm like, all right, cool. I sent them both to, to Robbie and, and my little buddy. And they didn't have them on the site at 9 o'clock. So I'm like, oh, okay. They probably just dropped them some random time. There was a... I was working. I was like, all right, cool. I'll keep refreshing. Same as you. Just like, hey, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it, but I can't devote my full energy to it. And I look up, still didn't see him on there. I refreshed one time, sold out. And my buzz, like, he's like, yeah, man, I was on the site, saw him get on there, and then I clicked it and said sold out. Like, what? I want to, I want to get somebody on the show who knows bots because I just want somebody <laughs> to explain it to me how they're like the Flash. Like this is insane. I mean, it's it's basically instant, right? So you don't have any kind of delay at all if you're using a bot because as soon as it clicks live, it's it's you know split second later you've added that to your cart and bought it. But on top of that stuff, I think what's really really weird is like we were all texting this morning as we were trying to get these right, and I don't understand why like all of us could be on at the same time. And I tried to, I tried to, to buy them, you know, relatively quickly. Right. I was on right at seven and and you guys were like two minutes into it sold out. And I sat there for another extra two, three, four minutes waiting to get the same sold out message. And I was wondering like, why, why does sometimes it take four or five minutes for you to get the sold out message when everybody else has already got it? Are am I like close to getting it? Like they're probably like scanning my account. Like yeah, he hasn't hit in two and a half years. Yeah, well, oh, not today. It's like the commercial. Almost got it. Almost got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. I mean, I'm still pretty salted about it. Only because not at the product itself. It's just the process. Because it, it just reaffirms that when there is another shoe, I inevitably really want. I go into it with the prior knowledge that I'm fucked. So it's like, it, it, it makes every release daunting. And don't, like, I don't like paying resale. I'll do it. But like, I, I really, really, really don't want to. Like really. And it has to be something super special to me. It can't be like normal special, like a dunk. Like, you know, there's, there's been five of these high quality dunks since last year. And I'm not going to go dump $1,200 into getting a couple of them. It's just the shoes I really like, but like medium thirst for, if that makes sense. <laughs> They're not forever. I'll, I'll see a mid top version of these in 15 years. I made a high, low and mid. So, so have either of you guys ever like actually pre-ordered or bought something ahead of a release? No, cause I don't trust it. <laughs> I mean, I'll buy stuff on resale sites, but I the pre-order stuff I don't trust it, man. Because I've looked at them. The, I, I saw a uh, I used uh, I looked up this add to cart service a couple years back, where it's literally the cost of the shoe plus like another like hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. I'm like, well, I might as well buy a resale, like just to get it the same day. I'm not about to pay X amount, of, you know, dollars. This is silly. Yeah, I mean, funny thing about that, like when. Nike was still doing like Twitter releases. I would use like the pre-purchase like slotting or whatnot stuff. I think the last shoes I bought were, I wanted to have both and I don't own either one anymore. The Gamma 11 and the Gamma 12. So I got both of those off like the add to cart services early. Um, but when it comes to like hashtag team early, that shit's fake. Like I don't care. Like, unless you're like, there's definitely people who get plugged stuff early and they exist on social media and they post those. But if you have like a full size run, like fakes. Yeah, man. It's like, get out of here. Like, I don't want none of that Fugazi stuff. Like I don't even entertain 
the idea. I haven't entertained the idea of a bot literally since the gammas. It's just not worth it to me. I, I mean, I guess it, it could be worth it if it, if end of day it ends up costing me two hundred dollars instead of you know four hundred. That's a saving still, but I'm still I don't feel good about supporting that type of process. I have plenty of shoes. I don't need to go contribute to the problem. My thing is not, it's just understand, like, again, we always talk about it. I know people need this for inventory for their stores and their business. Cool. But people are buying up everything. Like the last two, three Reebok question releases sold out instantly. The women's Air Jordan uh, UNC colorway just came out, sold out instantly on sneakers. Are people just buying everything because they're like, well, I'll just get all the product and see what happens because the things that are selling out doesn't make sense. And I, I don't know. I mean, I we were talking about earlier, what, one out of the 10 people were actually going to wear them? But it's like, what, what are they doing? Because at, at a certain point, a lot of these shoes are going way below value on these resale sites. I mean, the only thing you're basically paying is fees at this point. So I have a... Sorry just to jump in front of you, Nick, but I have like a, a, a definitive thought on that. And I was talking to somebody who listens earlier on DMs, can't remember who, but they're like, yeah, why are dunks so expensive now? It's like the dunk, the Air Jordan 1 and the Air Force 1 are so easily recognized when something has any amount of hype around it, it's going to attract every level of reseller, somebody who you know, thinks that they could flip, you know, like um, a Paris to New York Air Jordan one, they buy five pairs of them thinking they could flip them and those happen to flop, but you can buy, you know, try to buy every pair of Air Jordan ones, women's included. If it has a natural feel to it, you don't have to be a real connoisseur of sneakers to know, Oh, it's a Air Jordan one OG high. Okay. I, I hear those all the time. I see them on blank. Um, platform. Uh, okay, colors look good. I could, I could probably make money off this. It doesn't take rocket science. Like you see Travis Scott's name attached to something. Anybody over the age, I feel like now with the little kid resellers, like over the age of nine, knows that probably Travis Scott's cool and Travis Scott plus Nike equals money. So it's just those are the easiest formulas to figure out. And these dunks are just really good examples of that. Like, oh, okay. Clean dunk. Um, has this, has a sneakers like, um, pre-release little story thing behind it. Um, you go look at other dunks from the past year. You're like, okay, like, um, I could flip these dog, like what, you know, whatever kid, I don't know, whatever happens, but like, that's why everything's just getting bought up because it doesn't take rocket science for the simple collabs and, um, higher profile stuff to, have a connotation of money behind it so that, so it moves really fast Has everybody out in full effect. So I, I agree with you. I also think that dunks, Jordan ones, air force ones, a lot of the kind of iconic classic shoes, because they're more recognizable, get a lot more people that don't care about the rest of the stuff. Right. Like, you know, we, we all pay attention to these things every day, every week, whatever it is. But the average consumer only comes into stuff that they're really, you know, like into, right? So like Dunks being in, you know, a unique colorway, if it's a colorway that they like, it's it's easy for them to hop in and be like, oh, cool. Like, I know how this works. I'm going to try to get a pair. Um, the one thing that like Mike brought up the questions, I've been buying like way too many Reebok questions for a long ass time. Like I have probably more questions than, I mean, I don't want to get into like a bragging thing, but like I could probably challenge how many questions Allen Iverson actually has in his home. That's how many I have. Like I have more questions than any other shoe in my collection. So, and, and like exponentially more not. So it, it's not a smart financial decision for me to be a question fan because most of those shoes are not worth anything compared to, you know, the hype stuff like a dunk or a Jordan or whatever. But I really just loved Iverson, love the shoes. 
And most of the shoes that I see now are the same shoes that'll be sitting, you know, six, nine months from now for well below retail, brand new or close to it. Because the people that, you know, buy them thinking they're going to sell them. If you look at, you know, StockX or Goat right now, there's nobody making any money off of any of those questions, right? They're selling for 10, 20, maybe $30 over retail. By the time you add all the fees in and all that stuff, the shipping, like you're not, you know, like you're not making any money on, on that sale. So part of it is like, I also think that there's just people that have online stores or, you know, retail stores where they're a resale shop and they buy the stuff just because they know that eventually somebody will come in because that's kind of the the nature of, in my opinion, what the future of retail actually looks like is, you know, just buying whatever you can get your hands on in whatever channels that you want and having a more dynamic flow with your business as opposed to ordering up your, you know, quarterly order from Nike or your, you know, spring summer line or whatever. But I also think that it's really interesting. And the reason why I asked you guys if you had ever ordered, pre-ordered, so I don't trust, I mean, I would trust a handful of people that I know that could get me something early if I really wanted it. But I, I'm not the type of person that ever asked for that favor because it's just not that important to me. But I wouldn't trust any of the platforms, you know, even knowing so many of the people that work at some of these places, it's just not something that I trust that they know exactly where that product comes from. Even when they're using the same suppliers, it's easy for people to to slip in and, and change things up. And because they're already trusted, they can now take advantage of the system. And I'm not saying that that happens everywhere, but I'm just saying that it it's definitely a possibility. What really fascinates me about like all this stuff right now, the the hype on the Brazils, the hype on the Ben and Jerry's, like Mike just sent the, the prices on GOAT for the um, metallic Jordan 4s are are ridiculous. My theory is so I looked at StockX, StockX is is well below the prices on GOAT, but still still decently above retail. My theory is that everyone is just trying to buy everything that they can in the thought that they can be like the next cool reseller, right? Like you have like I forget the names of some of the people, but you know like I'm not talking about um stores but like forget some of the like kids that you see on on youtube a couple years back where they're like oh i sell to i sell to all the celebrities because frankly i think that's the problem like we like the sneaker world has made it impossible for the for you know your normal person let's say you know xyz celebrity is like i really like those brazil dunks tries to get on nike can't do it. Doesn't work. Gets frustrated. Just hits up whoever because he has the phone number and says, I want those. I'll send you 300 for him or 400 for him. And that's a smart business plan. I mean, there's not as many people that can afford to do that, I don't think. But it is really interesting to think about that to see these asking prices ahead of time kind of, you know, they're, they're always inflated because the people that can get them early know if you're going to get rid of something, you either get rid of it right away or you wait the long run and you know, six, nine months, couple of years, 10 years, because the, the shape of the market price of a shoe always looks like a Nike swoosh, right? Like almost always the original price of an early pair will cost you, you know, 20 to 30% over retail or more. It'll drop mm-hmm. down to really close to retail during a release date. And then it'll just slowly climb back up because people wear them and the supply goes down. So the supply of dead stock pairs, I should say. But <laughs> It's a really fascinating thing. And and I'd never tried to order anything early. Honestly, like there's only a handful of shoes that I think I would even try that, but it's just not something that I ever pull the trigger on. Um, but I want to pose that question to the listeners because I am curious if you've ordered early from a platform, from a specific place or used a bot, like what are your experiences? Do you have experience in that? Do you, did you enjoy it? Um, was it good? Did you get burned? And I also want to make sure that like we we have a uh, voicemail system that we can use for this. So if you guys, you could obviously hit us up on social, DM us, t- tweet us, whatever. But you can also text or call. The phone number is one eight seven seven Air Max one. So you could call and leave a voicemail if you want us to. We'll leave. We'll use that voicemail on an upcoming episode when we talk about this again. Uh, but if not, you could shoot us a text and just let us know what you're thinking, what your experience was. 
if you have suggestions too, or if you, if you're somebody that does that and wants to just plug yourself, that's cool too. We want to know what, what you guys are doing out there. So, um, that said, want to switch, switch gears a little bit away from the dunk stuff and the resale stuff and just talk about some of the pride shoes that have been popping up lately. Um, Mike, you said you saw some Reebok stuff, right? Yeah, Reebok. This is, I don't know if this is the first time I've seen Reebok, but I, I couldn't tell you that, hey, they do this all the time, but um, it's called the All Types of Love Collection, and they utilize a uh, pretty cool tie-dye um, setup. It's like almost like watercolor tie-dye, and I have to say the uh, the Zig Kineticas are awesome looking, both the, uh, like the cream one with the tie-dye sole, and then the tie-dye upper and want the cream sole that dude super solid they also have a club c with the tie-dye upper and then they have a club c with the white upper and then a classical leather and um it's good looking stuff man the product is good um again i don't know if this is the first time they jumped into that uh ring at, at this particular uh style of shoe but they're really pushing zig kinetic and i think that's a good model because of that type of upper they use is kind of engineer mesh slash uh, I think engineer mesh. It's a it's a blank canvas one where they can go in and do everything. I think this is a solid look, and yeah, man, I think probably one of my favorites I've seen as a late. I really like the the classics for sure. I didn't get to read what the the tongue said um, when I was glancing through, but like you said, the the tie dye pattern color combo is really dope, and it's on the inner lining on that one, which I think is a little uh, just a little more wearable for me, and I. The, I haven't bought a pair of classics in a while, so that is actually something I'm kind of kind of looking at. Have you got one of those uh, Zig Connecticas Connectas yet? No, I haven't yet. Um, I now I'm kind of wondering which one I want because I wanted the, the Billionaire Boy Club pair, and they sold out. But now they're kind of sitting around in different places. I think Champs has them, and on resale sites they're retail. So I've heard there are some very slight similarities between those and the 4d just the way they feel but clearly way cheaper so i want to try it out and kind of do a comparison of them eventually i also saw that new balance has has a pretty cool little i'm not like a big fan of the shoes but they are doing um it's the 327 which is that like the the super like exaggerated large n on the side and then they have like a uh, one of their echo runners which is really dope Mm -hmm. But what I really liked about their Pride collection this year is the well, the, for one, the slides are fire. They're like super reflective and rainbow colored, bright, brightly colored. But the apparel for New Balance looks super dope. Which normally yeah. I don't see New Balance as like the apparel place, but like the shirt with like the heart with the NB and like this like kind of like I don't know what you call it, like three stripe wording graphic is pretty dope to me. Yeah, it looks like a neon I'm, sign almost. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen anything from Nike yet. Have you? Mm-mm, I haven't. But this, uh, the 327, I swear to you, it just look like the New Balance Sakai. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely does. So other news, we got, uh, what, like, I guess a handful of things we should talk about that are potentially returning again. I'll let you guys take one of those three things. Go ahead, Robbie. I don't get your hint. What? What? Three? <laughs> <laughs> so you got uh, the, the rumor that there's a Tom Sachs Mars Yard coming back. The r- rumor for the LeBron Seven, and the rumor that the Clot Air Max One Kiss of Death is coming back. Well, Nick, you just told it all, but no, <laughs> ruined well, it all. Because <laughs> I know I heard what you were saying, but I had a really deep thought in my brain. So I kind of feel like I have to share this. So it, it's really out there, but it makes sense. So Craig Mack, you know who I'm talking about? Kick a new flavor in your ear? Yes, exactly. I'm happy <laughs> you said that. Because since you've heard that song, having your ears just registered new flavors better and better. I, have, I feel like my music taste has only gotten better. <laughs> here him. Date by putting the new flavor in my ear. This guy. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, I honestly haven't had that thought, but now that you mention it, I don't think knowing Craig Mack or hearing Craig Mack's music has impaired my taste in any way. What is? Think about your life before <laughs> you had the flavor in your ear. 
<laughs> it's flavorless, he was saying. It's probably a bit more flavorful after. <laughs> so to rope this back into shoes, um, there's no segue, but the LeBron <laughs> 7, um, I think we're going to keep getting more and more colorways because they're, they're seeing how fruitful that shoe is being. Um, I mean, like the Air Zoom generation and the LeBron 3, they both sold out every single time. They didn't, they didn't linger. But the LeBron 7 has always been a fan favorite. And did we say the MVP? Is that what we're talking about? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So having that one come back, you know, with, with the softer material on the uppers, the grays and the white and things like crimson red, something like that. Um, those are just so clean. And it's like a broken record coming out of my mouth. But it's, it's so good when PEs come out or even – I think those might have released at like some Cleveland places. LeBron has weird releases back then. Some of these were scrapped. Okay. They're supposed to, but they never did. I mean, just like LeBron 6, sometimes changes happen last minute. You, you don't know. But uh, that's that's a really cool release. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to get a pair. Um, emphasis on get, try. I mean, yeah, emphasis on try to get. But uh, yeah, man. Did you get the Laker, the media day ones? I, I did not. Um, and it's funny um, because I know the guy who like did the, who made that colorway. Like I, he's a friend of mine, and he didn't get a pair either. Oh. So we were talking about it like a couple hours after release, and he had to go to StockX and he bought a pair in his size for like I think he said like three sixty in that range. And it's like, man, even the dude who like pretty much made that shoe has to like buy resale. It's messed up. But for my size 12, it was like five fifty. Cool. It might, it might be more or less, but when it comes to a LeBron retro, I'm not, I'm not playing the game if it's over. Realistically, I want to say two fifty, but probably my hard cap is 300. If there were 300, I'd probably bite the hundred dollars and, Dang, they're 380 right now and good. They they had a spike. It was weird when they first dropped. Everything was so high, but everything kind of started starting to fall now because my size was like 400 bucks when they dropped. Now it's down to 280 on the resale site. So the uh, the initial hype has worn off, and maybe sooner or later we can uh, we can all have a pair. So I mean, related but unrelated. I bought a LeBron jersey. Um, I got a LeBron jersey, a Laker one. Uh, last week it came. So I was like, man, I was really hoping to pull off that whole fit. And it didn't work out that way. I guess I had to do something with the other 15 purple and yellow shoes I have. So It's not the same. Let's see. Yeah, it's, it is crazy, though, the, like the way that pricing, you know, because I think there's like that couple days delay where everything stays a little high for like the two days of like waiting for stuff to ship. And then once people start getting their shipments, they just start unloading, right? And then the prices mm -hmm. end up coming down. I was actually one of the other shoes that we're we were saying we're potentially going to release in 2021 is the Clot Air Max One Kiss of Death, which is if you're not familiar with the shoe, it's super dope. It's a uh, I mean it wouldn't be something I would ever wear, but it's it's like a clear translucent toe box and uh, has like the the kind of uh, like. Uh, skeleton outsole pattern on a clear sole it's just a crazy shoe but i was looking at um StockX and just in you know i don't know what their timeline is for that but uh, it looked like the shoe basically has been climbing in price you know fairly steadily for the past like whatever eight years and the last sale that shows on StockX right now is down 221 dollars so it's a thousand seventy eight was is the sale price and the lowest ask now is a thousand so to me it's kind of crazy that you're seeing in real time the, the rumor hits that that's coming back people just unload they're like oh well it's going to kill the price of it and if they do it right and remake the shoe right then why would you buy an older version when you can wear a newer version longer at least you know in theory because Team Early has people flipping out of their mind. Everyone wants to be first to something, even if that means their shoe's going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, the last one on the news, uh, which I think is awesome, and I'm going to definitely try to get them if they do actually come out, is the uh, the Nike Mars Yard 2.0 Tom Sachs shoe. Uh, summer, looks like. Is that what it said? Uh, end of, end so. of 2020. Yeah. Select retailers. So. So sneakers app. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I already lost. Okay, cool. I'm good. Yeah, all right. We'll try again next time. Yep. Dude, I'm just going to buy those uh, Jordan Delta SPs and uh, Vachetta Tan. The second round they, they released is still sitting everywhere. 130 bucks. Um, they look, you know, a poor man's Marjard. So I'm okay being a poor man's Marjard if I can actually get it. <laughs> yep. And it's, and it's React, right? So it's going to be way more comfortable. <laughs> exactly. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Tom Sachs is all about improvement. So it, it can't be worse in any way than any iterations before it right that's what i was thinking i don't know and also i just placed a 225 dollar bid on the lebron lebron media days so (laughs) (laughs) let's see if i can just screw the market and have somebody take that 225 dude i'm gonna keep a we're gonna start keeping a chart on the the bids that robbie makes during episodes yeah we should actually that'd be hilarious (laughs) i mean so I like I like temporary action. I'll, I'll throw a bit out there, knowing it's not going to get picked up until it does. Hey, I mean, if it does, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't hurt, right? Yeah, <laughs> if you like the price, yeah, it's definitely not going to hurt you. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that pretty much wraps up the news. Now we want to hop into the uh, kind of topic that everybody's been talking about this week. Got to see the end of The Last Dance, 10 episodes deep. I I will say that I loved it, but I will also say that it felt very like very much like a commercial almost at times for, mm-hmm. for Michael. Um, but it's it's it still was really awesome to relive those memories and to, to like kind of re get a little bit more access to those moments that, you know, where it's almost like if you, if you, you know, my experience when it happened originally was piecing all of these moments together. Right. And, you know, I probably did watch 10 hours worth of, you know, ESPN and local news and WGN and all the different places where you could watch, but to have it all in one place and to just go through that whole thing was really awesome. My one, my, my two gripes are, I thought that the bouncing around from time wise was a little aggressive. I I think it's dope when you're, when you're bouncing around on a timeline like that and storytelling, because there are things that are very important to set up certain things. And they did a good job with, with, you know, like the, the setup and the closing and, and like, you know, there is stuff like the the moment where he's on the floor crying after the 72 and 10 championship. Like that is something to me that is was incredibly powerful because I haven't ever heard him crying. Right. I've only seen it. And even when you saw it on ESPN originally back in the day, you didn't hear him. They were talking over it. The announcers were talking over the top of him. So to me, that was a very powerful moment. And really, really the same way that the moment where he basically says, if you don't want to win, I'm here to win. And he's like, you can see him. I mean, he, I think he starts crying and like cuts the camera off, right? Because he's so passionate about winning. So those are two moments that were really special to me. The bouncing around kind of bugged me a little bit. And one of the things I mentioned in the story that we just posted on the site, the fact that the flu game was not the flu game bothered me. Because if Nike just turned that and turned it into the flu game to sell shoes the same way they did with the Jordan 1 to sell band shoes, I'm not saying that I don't want to buy the shoes because I love the story and it's nostalgic and I'm just as much a fan of the Jordan 12 as I am of the Jordan 1 personally. But it was just really interesting to kind of like know that that wasn't the the true story. But I also think it's genius to spin that in a way that can become something that you can market. And I kind of made the joke on, on the site with the story today 
and just said, you know, like you, you couldn't call it, I ate a bad pizza 12s or <laughs> got food poisoning 12s. Like that's not marketable, but flu game it is right. So mm-hmm. props to Nike, but also I hate that shit. <laughs> the diarrhea game would be more <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Christmas. What did you guys, what were your guys' overall uh, favorite parts, most disliked parts, et cetera? Um, so I, I like the documentary. Um, I think we discussed it before. I feel like there was still some more to be told, but MJ's like, I'm going to give you a little bit, but not too much. So that was one thing that kind of bothered me a bit because there was, I mean, we got into his psyche a bit and saw that he's actually insane. Uh, but I, I just like the fact that we got some more players. Like you got, to, I really got to see a lot of Scotty, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of Dennis. I, I think understanding Dennis's psyche, even though it wasn't, you know, more, you know, wasn't the prime focus, but just understanding him and how they wrangled him and, you know, Gave the how much rope he had with the team. I mean, that was amazing to see kind of backstory, understand who he was. Um, I think my dislike about it was actually after the fact. It's the not necessarily the, the show itself, but it was the aftermath from all of like the you know our talking head shows, like. How, how does this turn into like I don't know how does this turn into a uh, you know this person's better than this person and then basically a follow with all the teammates again so it, it's crazy how this one thing has had so much of an impact um, in the in the world now as opposed to in 1998 so I think that's kind of that's my only thing like hearing you know Stephen A. Smith and all this I you know take that back. Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is the reason. That's the one thing I hate about the show. Skip Bayless, because I cannot hear him talk about Michael Jordan anymore. I understand Michael Jordan will most likely go down as the greatest player ever, but this document showed that he was human and showed that he could have been just the biggest jerk on earth. And it, but it's like Skip Bayless and some of these other guys just refused to, you know, acknowledge that, oh, okay, well, maybe being that kind of person isn't the greatest and then I can't remember. I think it was one of the other shows. Uh, was his name Wilcox or something? Um, he was like, "Yeah, that that toxic masculinity from Michael Jordan. We need that back in the world." I'm like, "Bro, what are we talking about?" So, a oh, Whitlock with uh, the, the show um, on FS1. So, Brian Whitlock. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was talking about, "Yeah, we need that." You know, smoking Jason, a cigar. Right? Yeah, drinking the cigar, drinking whiskey in the cigar, and just you know being a dick to people. I'm like. We don't need that bad in a sports world. Like, I don't know, but it's kind of a ramble. But that's kind of how it's the fallout and like people's thoughts, and they're not really getting the the gist of it. They're just kind of making their own narrative now. How about you, Robbie? I think I'm definitely in the minority of people that keep Skip Bayless employed by various uh, media outlets. I've always liked Skip, but I agree. It's it's uh, it's not just him though. It's it's a lot of people now digging the heels in that LeBron, I mean, that LeBron will just never be that nobody will ever be as good as Michael Jordan. And, and, and that's frustrating because, um, I mean, I forgot who said it, some Aristotle or somebody, but it's like, you have to be able to entertain another idea without accepting it. So these people aren't even willing to entertain the idea that somebody could ever even 50 years down the road from now be better than Michael Jordan. And this, and this documentary locked that up. Um, it really didn't give me outside of like, you know, three minute bursts that were fleeting any real deeper insight to Michael Jordan's character that I felt like I didn't know already. They did Scotty Pippen dirt. And I felt like that was kind of, that was that wasn't really fair. It, it felt like in the beginning they were gonna like give more to Scotty in terms of credit because they, they were they were lining him they were lining it up with like his you know his, his childhood background and how you know he had like helped become like a man of the family very young and you know his his college growth and I was like okay they're they're shaping this narrative to look like he came from nothing and then did all these great things but it was like a narrative shifts from he grew up humble 
And then he pouted and, you know, didn't like Tony Kluko getting the last shot in like what, 95 or something. Um, and like the back spasms or cramps, whatever, just like there wasn't nearly enough about how Scotty truly was like the, the quintessential and kind of like the prototype lockdown wing. I feel like before then, you know, everything was defensive minded in the old NBA, but like Scotty was truly, you know, had the height, size, speed, athleticism that now every NBA front office um, looks to as like an architecture when they look for like a small forward or some kind of wing player. And they didn't nearly go in enough into that. I feel like it was just, um, you know, they could have very easily called this Michael Jordan's retirement sagas, like days of our lives. And it would have been accurate, but I, I just didn't like the representation of Scotty Pippen. And I don't like Scotty Pippen. I call him no Pippen tip, um, no tipping Pippins in Vegas. And parents <laughs> have always you know, business for tips. So it's like, I've, I've always liked Barkley more than Pippen because Barkley tips a lot and Pippen doesn't. So it's like, you do bad by my dad. I personally don't like you as much. So I've never been the biggest Scotty fan, but it doesn't take, you know, a basketball, um, you know, savant to realize how, how much more you could have um, gone into Scotty's positive traits than what they chose to go into. Yeah, did them dirty. You guys both bring up some good points. And the way that it was filmed and the way that all the players were represented, you know, it it definitely highlighted their weakest points, in my opinion. And I thought it was really interesting, you know, to, to Mike's point about all this, like, aftermath of the show, you know. I mean, here we are kind of a part of it, just talking about it. Right. But this is kind of like, I look at us as like, Hey, we're just normal dudes having a conversation about, you know, things we would do this in person with everybody listening if we weren't, you know, on, you know, stay at home orders or whatever. But there's so many people out there that get so riled up over certain things and the way things are portrayed. And, you know, like skip is a great example. Uh, Whitlock is a, an example <laughs> like i mean both those guys have made a career out of essentially bad takes right and sometimes it's entertaining and you know i understand how that works but what i thought was really fascinating is all of these like people that i typically don't see on twitter um which is kind of my go-to place for news type stuff but a lot of these like sports journalists that, you know, have quotes from Scotty saying that he's pissed at, at the show because of the way he's portrayed and Horace Grant's pissed at Michael because, you know, he didn't snitch on, you know, he's like Vin Diesel out there. I didn't, snitch, I never snitched on nobody kind of thing. But like, it's just one of those like weird, like, why is this a thing? You all literally already went through this. You all know what happened. It doesn't really matter. And you all won and made millions of dollars. So are you just doing it now for the show? Like, like to, to, you know, are you, and I'm not like picking on any of those guys, but let's say if it's Horace or Scotty complaining about Michael, are you publicly complaining about him now because you need more attention because you got to get your bread up and go, got to go get a, an ESPN deal or whatever that is. It doesn't seem like, that's the best way to do it. But that's also, unfortunately, the nature of the way that news media works right now, especially in sports, where, you know, there's very few people talking about the good shit that goes on compared to the amount of, like, negativity that's out there and the amount of people that just want to tear athletes down in, the, in their conversations. So um, I, I think that it was it was at least somewhat in my opinion everybody had a fair point to make their own points right if if scotty wanted to you know speak up and talk some shit about about sitting on the bench 
for that last play where Kukoc hit the game winner. He could have totally did that. But he also just chose to say, like, yeah, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I wouldn't do it any differently, but I shouldn't have done. You know what I mean? Like he owned up to it. And so so to me, like there's just a lot of if there's issues with the way that it was put together, it seems like you all know how the conversations went throughout this whole time. And like, why are you? riled up afterwards or is that just people trying to make shit up and and you know get clicks out of it i don't know well i know the horse grant when i heard the in um the what you call it the radio interview so he was actually riled up i don't know about scotty and anybody else because there's no like actual sound bites or anything written down but yeah i think what you're saying is pretty accurate so they're like hey let's see if we can go in and uh, let's make something out of nothing if that's what it is or someone's trying to get their money up right now. And, hey, this is the hot topic. Let me go ahead and just be, you know, pissed off about the documentary. I forgot who I was listening to, but um, it was somebody on you know, sports radio. But they brought up a great point where, you know, Scotty Pippen and Isaiah Thomas were just like living their lives like normally, not having to deal with stuff from 30 years ago 25 years ago and you got to think about how you would like that and how you would respond to that i mean it's never going to happen to any of us because nobody really cares what any of us were doing that long ago but even when we're grown men you know their age i mean we're all grown men but you know (laughs) older when we're when we're uh, you know i don't know how to say i'm digging a hole when you're old (laughs) you look back Remember that time you got a DUI when you were 22, when you're in the office on a Tuesday, minding your own damn business? No, nobody ever does that. So I'm sure Scotty doesn't love every decision he's made, but then to like randomly have every outlet looking at you some kind of way off of some shit you did, you know, years and years ago, it's like the Kevin Hart thing, like the tweets from... Now he made some, you know, homophobic tweets. What was it, like f- six years before he tried to host the Oscars or whatnot, and he got canceled for that. It's like how how long do we need to like keep bringing up um, people's not finest moments? It's like it's that's tough to deal with, and I, and I don't like how um, that works in any part of life when any kind of story comes out. It can be an essay, it can be a full documentary. It doesn't have to be the Last Dance, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sucks for Scotty Pippen and Isaiah because, you know, again, I'm not huge fans of either one of them, but, you know, I wouldn't want people rehashing my business and making me come up for answers for stuff that you don't feel like you really have to have answers to. But now you do. That's 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 not fair. And it's kind of messed up. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I do think that as public figures, specifically looking at like those examples of Scotty and and Isaiah Thomas, right? They've chosen to still be in the public eye for the most part, right? Scotty's a a regular on ESPN. Uh, Isaiah, I can't remember what he does, but he's, you know, NBA TV. Yeah. NBA TV. Right. So like in, in that sense, like you're already in the public eye, you know, that that's going to continue to be the conversation for the rest of your life until you decide that you're just going to disappear. And like, honestly, like I would say like Carl Malone, I don't know if you guys saw the E60, um, like questions from like, uh, it it was from like a, a month or two ago, I think, but basically they're asking him about Michael Jordan. He says, when I say Michael Jordan, what comes to mind? And Carl Malone just says, Michael Jordan, the man, Michael Jordan. And like he goes into it, though, and he basically says, like, you know, like, Michael, I give respect. Michael was a badass, but I was I was a badass. You know, I forget what the word was, but like something like that, you know, and Carl Malone's one of those people who's removed himself from the spotlight primarily. Right. So he's not necessarily on the hot seat when he's doing something like that, even though like he has, you know, plenty of shit that has come up over the years that he wouldn't want to deal with either. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to, to look at the way people choose to like 
be out there. And yeah, you're always going to have like the trolls on Twitter or, you know, Instagram comments, whatever. But I will say that this as a documentary seemed like it at least asked genuine questions of those guys and gave them opportunity to answer, you know, like however they wanted to answer and, and to put that out there in the right way. But I also think that unfortunately, like Michael just has so much influence on everything that, you know, who's going to really like shit on him in a documentary that he's basically the face <laughs> of, right? Like that's just not going to happen. So, uh, but I, I, so I want to, I want to throw it out there again. So we have a phone number that you can text or call and leave a vo- voicemail. one eight seven seven Air Max one um, My question, I have two. I'll ask you guys and then I'll throw this out for you guys listening if you want if you want to shoot us back your answer. If you have any thoughts on the documentary, I would love to hear that too. So you feel free to throw that in. But w- one is what would you what would you like to see? in the same format or, you know, similar, like deep dive, 10 episode long, you know, documentary, like what would be the next thing on your list of, I want to see that story. Um, well, you know, your boy, Tom Brady already, you know, announced his just, he did nine, nine parts, one shorter. Um, but I think I would really like to see a Wait, more Tom Brady has a documentary coming out. Yeah, you didn't see that? It's, uh, Isn't he still playing? He comes up next year, and uh, same style as the uh, as the Jordan one, but this is more of him, not just the team. So this is more of him up until I guess whatever point they'll finish filming it. He's gonna. He's just like I'm gonna give myself my flowers before I'm done with this damn game. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Tampa anyway. Tell me what I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, you're going to cut you off. <laughs> I was like the genuine surprise. You're like, wait, hold on. We got to go back. Um, I would really like to see um, a, a, a Lakers uh, a Lakers documentary the same way um, with the you know, Shaq and Kobe teams. And then on the flip side, I think Jock had brought this up, and a Tiger Woods one would be pretty solid if we can actually get him to talk. So for mine, I have to sneak one little thing in. My favorite part of the whole documentary is when Carl Malone, after getting his ass kicked for the second year in a row, still got onto the Bulls' butts to say good game. Hell yeah, that was so impressive to me. So yeah. impressive. Crazy, my man. You're good, you're good sports. Yep. One of the games he held you, your team, to like less than 60 points, and you still went and like sought him. Yeah, like – that was and again not a big Carl Malone fan either, but uh, I don't dislike him, and that's a very positive moment on him. For a documentary, it's not sports related, but I want to see Snoop Dogg tell the West Coast story all from his perspective, all the way from like you know like doggy style through like death row stuff, through like um, rhythm and no gig. limit. <laughs> I mean. This, <laughs> I mean, like the like, you know, everybody always thinks like, oh, like West Coast, you know, like Pac Dre, like yeah, we've heard that story a lot. But he's worked with like artists in such a big range now that I think just like a sit down smoke sesh with Snoop telling his musical stories, um, you know, throughout his career would be a really good one because you could do like early Snoop and then Pac and Snoop, you could do like Pharrell and Snoop. You can do like Martha and Snoop, um, you know, have all these like different ranges. Cause I mean like Snoop really is like, not only is he the dog father, but I feel like he really is like the uncle of hip hop. Like if you don't respect Snoop Dogg, I'm going to slap you. Like Snoop Dogg is like, contrary to Carl Malone, I'm a massive Snoop Dogg fan. Like I love <laughs> I love everything Snoop does. Um, so like, yeah, I want to see a 10 part Snoop Dogg, like from his perspective, interacting with those people that are still with us, not with us. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be dope for me. So, so 
duh. Sorry, I'm like, do you get Kendrick Lamar in there? Like, it's everybody. Awesome. All right, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing, like, generational, right? Like, it's changed so much throughout the years that he's been successful. And obviously his success has transitioned from different, different, you know, forms of entertainment. But I think that whole, that whole story would be amazing. And there's so much like question around the controversies that happen, especially in the early years, right? Kind of related, but not related for me. That's the, that like kind of, pinnacle story that I want to hear from the source is Allen Iverson's story, right? His, his, the moments that he's talked about his entire journey have been so, you know, pieced together that I think, you know, as a, as a huge fan collector of his stuff, like I have his books, I own his, you know, I have like DVDs in the closet kind of thing. Um, watch the stuff on Netflix all those kind of things, I'd love to see somebody put it together and let him be kind of the face voice narrator of that whole story. Because I think he's one of those people that just has such a, a mixed bag of experiences, both high and low, that if you knew what he went through on his bad days, you would probably not believe what he can accomplish on his successful days. And that's what I love about him. That's why he's my favorite player. That's why I will always look at him as someone to look up to, as opposed to, you know, some of the other athletes that are out there that have had really polished careers or have had ways to cover up the problems that they've had. Because I think once you, once you have your shit out there in, in the world, seeing it still being yourself and still like performing to the top of your abilities is a very beautiful thing, no matter what your career, what your opportunities are. And so that would be my choice, but I would, I would definitely throw that out to the listeners. If you have an idea for a, a, a long form documentary like that, that you'd love to see, shoot us a text. Uh, it's one eight seven seven air max one or call, leave us a voicemail, whatever, whatever's easiest for you. Um, trying to get a little bit more interaction with you guys and have some more conversations around the stuff that we're talking about. So we set that up so you could do that. And I forget what else I was going to say. <laughs> I'll say Alan Iverson wearing head to toe Lakers gear is like the best thing on earth. Like every time he does that, Kobe <laughs> Jersey, all the ice, the Laker hat, man, makes me so happy. The Laker questions. He'll wear them. Come on, someone. I know someone has a pair. Oh, man. You could have been a Laker. I'm talking about you. Get you a pair of Laker questions. (laughs) No, there was that story out there. Um, I read it um, around one of their retirements. But, yeah, there was a point where um, he was going to go there instead of Denver. Hmm. That would be interesting. No, before that, there's a second one where it's like he was going to try to join Shaq and Kobe, like before Shaq left. Yeah, a couple of times he tried to go. Kevin Garnett too, but uh, wow. yeah, blocked by the commissioner because of. I mean, I'm sure that they didn't want that kind of power shift in the uh, NBA. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I mean, yeah, that's a whole other. I, I we we need to do an episode on uh, super teams, as the haters will call them. So that should be an, a future episode. But um, before go. we get out of here, I want to pose one more question to everybody that's listening. Now that you've watched The Last Dance, now that you've relived all these Jordan moments or been introduced to Jordan in a new way, what are some of your favorite moments from that era, from the Bulls era, from, you know, let's say championship era, 91 to 98, like the shoes, the players, the stories, what what are some of your favorites? Like, let us know, call up, leave us a voicemail. It's a one eight seven seven Air Max one and we'll use that on a on an upcoming episode. And if you don't want us to use it, just tell us not to and we won't <laughs> use it obviously. But um but as always, we appreciate you guys listening, rocking with us, spending an hour of your week with us. And my name is Nick Engball. Um you can follow me at Nick Engball on all platforms. More importantly, just follow at Sneaker History everywhere, even Tumblr. Uh I think there's a Pinterest out there, but I don't use it much but all the social platforms <laughs> and uh, guys let them know how they can find you. Yeah. Mike Gillery, you guys can find me on 
Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. And then you can find me and listen to me ramble on YouTube at Mike Guillory. Where can they find you at, Robbie? Yeah, um, you can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. And um, make sure you're following the Craig Mack with the K at the end dot official fan page. <laughs> right on. We appreciate all of you and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as five bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.